Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s. and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. The history of Israel and the various kings over Israel as recorded in the book of Kings and 1st Chronicles and other history books reveals again and again how Israel and its kings failed God and his expressed intention for them as his people. Yet even when their failure reached extraordinary levels, forcing God to temporarily abandon the nation of Israel, there always remained a line of faithful ones. ones that would stand with God for his purpose and for his testimony the prophets were such ones prophets like Nathan and Elijah Elisha and even Isaiah the new testament has a name for such ones it is overcomers and in the book of revelation this title appears 7 times most of which sounding much like this reference in revelation 2:7 he who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. To him I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Francis Ball has joined us today as we uh, come once again to on its surface a passage or a section of the book of Kings Francis that's very discouraging and depressing, isn't it? Yes, it really is. The only encouraging thing here is I recall when these messages were given is that there are the overcomers in the old testament like we see in the new testament. Yeah, I'd like to take a minute before we get into Witness Lee's presentation to talk about this principle of overcomers. It's something that we touch from time to time, but I think it may not be that familiar or that clearly understood by many of our listeners, Francis. We will hear Witness Lee make this point that these prophets mainly the ones we are familiar with Isaiah Jeremiah many of these ones Zechariah and the minor prophets their history was parallel with that of the kings that is uh, accounted in the books of first and second kings and chronicles and what not but as the kings were failing in almost every instance there were very very few that were positive uh, in these books of history there was this line of the faithful ones and the prophets were there sort of alongside the kings really maintaining God's testimony weren't they It really is marvelous to see that in the face of such failure as there was among the kings whether in Israel or in Judah mm-hmm. there were some that were faithful and were useful to God to accomplish his purpose and his plan and the same is true in the New Testament actually I think we'll find today these two testaments the Old Testament and the New Testament are really one book with the same goal So we'll see how that goal can be reached by those who are overcomers 
And in the passage you mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, where this word overcomer occurs, at the end of each letter to each one of the churches, that covers prophetically a whole period of time. And so we'll see where in every stage there must be the overcomers that will fulfill God's economy, fulfill his purpose. And in every age, God is issuing a call to all of us to be those ones who would overcome, who would rise up and move with him in his move for this particular time. All right, let's join Witness Lee Francis with the first uh, section, and then we'll come back to fellowship. The people of Israel and most of the kings took their lead to be stubborn. They will not have a change, not just for three or four years, but for 400 years. So God was forced to give up. He had no way. But God practiced the, the principle of overcomer. All the 400 years degradation, God kept the principle to call overcomers. And all the real prophets in the king's time, in the captivity time, are overcomers. You see, Elijah was one. Eliza was one. Isaiah was one. You think about it. And all the so-called small prophets, like Zechariah, Jonah, all these are overcomers. The most prominent overcomer was Daniel. When he was in his ten age, with his three friends, they all became the overcomers. Yes, God gave up Israel. Israel was finished with God. But God kept his principle to get the overcomers that God could still have a lineage of people on this earth to maintain and to carry on his economy. And you have to know, during the captivity time, the lineage of God's economy is very thin, very, very thin, not too many. Through the overcomers, some got weakened up, like uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, all these. They were weakened up. Oh, we have to go back. We have to go back, not only to our father's land, but to go back to God's economy. Francis, I remember... Um when we were in the book of Deuteronomy, just prior to the children of Israel going into the good land after those years of much experience in the wilderness, they had a kind of a memorial almost, and there was a re-speaking of the law, which is what is meant by Deuteronomy. And everything was prepared for them to go and have a marvelous experience in the good land. In other words, it seemed like they were about to really achieve the standard that God had set. Yet, as the history has unfolded now, as we've read these books like First and Second Samuel, now First and Second Kings, and To Be Continued in the Chronicles, they fell far, far short of the potential that was there before them, didn't they? They certainly did, and the thing Witness Lee just brought out is that wasn't for a short period of time. That right. was over 400 years, yeah. this stubborn streak 
was maintained. We do thank the Lord that in that 400 years, there are some that were faithful. And it's not a matter of being more energetic, but not being so stubborn is the main thing, (laughs) giving the Lord an opportunity. And in this age, it's the same thing. We may be stubborn, and God can't deal with us because we won't let him in, so to speak. But if we would open to him, he would do something in us that would cause us to be among the overcomers if we would just let him have his way. So I think this is one thing we'll find out in this whole portion, that there is such a thing in God's economy as people that can be used to fulfill his purpose on the earth. He mentioned Daniel as the prominent type of uh, an Old Testament overcomer, and that story always inspires. uh, And, of course, we use it many times when we're teaching and Mm -hmm. uh, speaking to our young people to inspire them to be such ones. But uh, this was a case. Now, following this history that we're in right now, where these kings, both of Israel and Judah, the two houses of of Israel now, uh, one after another, they're all in failure, and the degradation seems to be spiraling, increasing, and the people of Israel are getting farther and farther away. Ultimately, the Lord was forced to give up Israel for a time, wasn't he, and and allow the whole nation to be carried off into captivity, and that set the stage for Daniel. That's exactly what happened, and that uh, even sets the stage today. If we would hear his voice, we would realize that God is still calling for the overcomers. At the end of every church period, that's really typified or really illustrated by the different churches that are addressed in Revelation 2 and 3, There is this call to the overcomers. That means those that would be faithful to open to the Lord, to allow him to work in them, Mm -hmm. to accomplish his purpose of getting his life into us, we believers, so that we could be the expression of God. That's what he wants, and that's what he has to have. Our stubbornness would keep us away from being that kind of a vessel. One of the main points that we want to see today, it illustrates a very important principle and point in study and understanding the Bible, and that is that the books of the Old Testament are not separate or independent from the New Testament, even though God's plan, the way God dealt with his people in the Old Testament was under a different principle, the principle of the law, and of course we're under grace, but there's a clear linkage and connection, isn't there, between the Old Testament and the New? It definitely is, because... This wonderful book of two parts is really still one book, and the book is just there to show us God's economy. By economy, we mean the way he works his plan out. And therefore, when we will cooperate with God's plan, we will see that his plan will work out marvelously, and we can be among those that are useful in his plan. Well, let's go to Witness Lee now and and get uh, more directly into this matter of the linkage between these Old Testament books and the New Testament reality. The Bible is one book of two sections. The first section, Old Testament, is of the types, the pictures, showing what is coming in the New Testament. So the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. All reading of two kings always lead us to see the connection of the history books with the New Testament. The connection is just God's economy for Christ and for Christ's body. And uh, the link of this to ends 
is in the king's history, but not so apparently. You have to know the king's history includes God's overcomers, the prophet. The king became rotten. The prophet came in to deal with that. Firstly, you have Nathan to help David. Then later you have Elijah to deal with Ahab. Then you have Elijah to do the miracles of life. Then you have Isaiah. Isaiah helped Hezekiah. Then Isaiah spoke. You could see the link. All of a sudden, Isaiah, in his book, chapter 7, 14, says, A virgin will bring forth a son, whose name will be called Emmanuel. And then, verse 6, in chapter 9, a son is given to us, and his name is called the Almighty God and the Eternal Father. These two short prophecies imply too much. It implies God becomes a man to be with man. To do what? To redeem man. Isaiah 53 is a strong chapter on the redemption of Christ. So what a big lynching. The history of the kings as a typology is linked with the New Testament fulfillment by God becoming a man to demand back as an expression of God and the enlargement of God for eternity. Francis, he told us that uh, when we read an Old Testament book such as Kings, we need to keep this view, this linkage, clearly in uh, our field of vision. Otherwise, we would just end up focusing on all of these negative failures. But mm-hmm. to see uh, the prophet Isaiah, contemporary of this era of the kings, speak these wonderful prophecies pointing directly to the coming Christ, both in his redemptive work but also in his full economy, don't they? Yes, that's right. And I think, uh, Chris, we really have a desire to see God's economy so clearly that we would not divert away from it. In kings, you have cases where there's the kings are worshiping God, but they're setting up another altar, Yes, not the one that God set up. So this is a temptation and an attempt on man's part, even in this age, to set up something that's like what God wanted, but not exactly what God wanted. God wants a man. Mm. He wants a man that can fulfill his purpose. Therefore, he became a man. There was not a man that could do it, so he became a man. And as a man, Jesus Christ... He is the one who fulfilled God's purpose. He was man by the name of Jesus. He was Christ, anointed of God to fulfill God's purpose. So this one needs to be enlarged, enlarged into many, many, even millions of individuals that become one by his life and his expression and the fulfillment of God's economy to make man God in life, in nature, and in expression in every way except not in the Godhead. Right. So if we realize this, we realize God's economy, then we would not be so quick to go away from it because it would capture us, it would hold us, and this vision 
will make the difference in the Christian life. It makes not just a difference, I would say it makes the difference in the Christian life, doesn't it, Francis? To realize that God's intent and desire uh, with us and concerning us is not just to make us better people, more diligent Bible readers. He really is undergoing a much deeper, more intrinsic work than this, isn't he? He certainly is. It's one thing to realize that God became a man. Christians everywhere believe this that this is Jesus. He is really divine and human. Right. But that this man, through his death and resurrection, became the life-giving spirit, this gives meaning to God's economy because as this life-giving spirit, he gives life. He gives life to all who will believe in him, who will open to him, and they will be occupied with Christ as life. And his very nature will be worked into us. We'll be the sons of God because we're born of God. We will be the body of Christ because we have Christ as our life and our person in our daily living. Mm. This is God's goal. In his first coming, in incarnation, of course, he comes with and from and out of divinity, doesn't he? He comes as the divine one, and he brings that divine element, that divine essence into human form, into humanity. Yes, right. But the promise of the gospel, from our standpoint, is not just the redemption he accomplished in that process, but the conclusion of the promise is that he then takes that humanity, which is now includes us, and brings it back up into divinity, doesn't he? Yes, he did, because of his death and resurrection in his incarnation, that is, when he became a man, that was God coming into man our divinity coming into humanity. But in the death, he actually redeemed fallen man and now made him an available vessel into which this wonderful one could come. But in order to come into man, he now became the life-giving spirit. In his resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit to give life to all his believers and to make them one with him. Wow. Well, we heard Witness Lee mention Isaiah 7:14, of course, the great prophecy that uh, to a virgin, a son would be born, his name would be called Emmanuel. Uh, this same language is picked up in the New Testament in Matthew 1:23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I like this part that's added in the gospel here uh, to this quotation from the Old Testament. It says, which is translated God with us. Yes. We can't miss that part, can we? That's right. God with us. That is his name. All right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Don't try to understand any book of the Bible just by itself. If you are going to try to understand any book of the Bible, you must have a complete view of the entire Bible. Okay? Then what? Then Jesus came. Who was Jesus? Jesus was God. Jesus was God becoming man. Eventually, in his resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. In Christ's resurrection, Christ has done a lot and still doing much and will do more to complete God's economy. From his incarnation to his redemption, he only accomplished the redemption to redeem us back to God. That's wonderful. But God's economy is not with a goal for his redeemed to go to heaven. 
God's economy is for him to work further and further and further on his redeemed people. How could this be? This could only be done through, by, ways, and in the life-giving spirit. Christ today is the life-giving spirit. And the life-giving spirit is the reality of resurrection. It is here we enjoy Christ as the consummated turn God, as the pneumatic Christ, as the all-inclusive compound spirit, and as the wonderful resurrection. Amen. Now, in Him, we all are in resurrection. Having Him as the all-inclusive in our spirit, doing everything every day in our spirit in order to transform us, to confirm us, and eventually to glorify us. So when Christ became the life-giving spirit in his resurrection, there were two, two marvelous matters. Francis, when we enjoy this kind of fellowship, I like to be mindful uh, that some hearing this for the first time may misunderstand. When we say something like, uh, his work uh, when he came in his economy was not just to redeem us, that in no way depreciates or diminishes our uh, appreciation for and uh, how much we esteem his redemption, does it? Oh, that's right. How rich is this redemption that actually answered all the problems we have with sin and self and the world and all the things that would take us away, even defeating Satan? Right. His death took care of everything that kept us imprisoned to Satan's realm. And by that death, he redeemed us. That means he bought us back. Now we're available for his life to get into us so he can fully save us. Salvation is a big word in the Bible. means much more than just getting redeemed and being free from sin. But it's a matter of us being an open vessel for God himself to come into to be our life and to inhabit us and even enlarge himself through millions of Christians, making them one body of Christ. This is too glorious, Chris. Yeah, as he said at the very end, this is too marvelous a matter. Yeah. And I think our listeners will uh, bear with us, Francis, and forgive us for often repeating ourselves, but it's a concept that is, I would say, so foreign to our natural thought and even probably to our religious thought that it bears a continual repeating, doesn't it? It really bears continual repeating, and this is one thing Witness Lee was very strong in, repeating it so we would get it. And the Lord does it by having two parts of one book, right? the Old Testament, New Testament, telling us the same thing, that God wants a people that will be full of him, that will be like him, that will be full of, not by their effort, but by being open to him, they can receive the life-giving spirit, and all his riches. Well, uh, Lord willing, Francis, we'll have another opportunity in the coming days uh, very soon to come back and repeat this even once more. How about that? Good. Yeah, these next several messages, I think our listeners will see, this theme becomes a very strong burden of Witness Lee, and we will touch these points and see them developed uh, even more deeply than we've been able to today. So I hope you'll be able to join us for more of these programs. I'd like to come back and repeat these. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep doing it until we get it, Francis. Right, so. amen. <laughs> 
We have the printed volume, The Life Study of Kings. It includes both First and Second Kings. It's just one volume, and if you'd like to find out how you can receive that so that you have it for your library and your study and your own investigation of these things that are too marvelous, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 or send email to us and that you can do by just addressing it to radio at lsm.org for Francis Ball I'm Chris Wilde thanks for listening today Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.